We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing. And I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. Today, I am here with author Brooke McLaughlin. Brooke is the co-founder of Million Praying Moms and the author of five books, including her most recent book, Praying Mom, Making Prayer the First and Best Response to the Challenges of Motherhood. And so I believe so strongly, and I've had a few episodes on prayer in the past, but prayer is such an essential part of our relationship with Jesus. But not only that, it is also such an essential part of our motherhood and our parenthood. And I think that it is something that is extremely and increasingly overlooked as part of the Christian walk and part of Christian parenthood. So Brooke, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'd love to, Lindsay. Thank you so much for having me. I am a mom of two. I have two boys. It's a funny story. I actually asked the Lord. I prayed and asked the Lord to give me boys. Oh, and, wow. he, and he did. He, he doesn't always give us exactly that close of an answer to our prayers, but he had a purpose in it and he did give me boys. But they are 16 and 14 and we live in the Appalachian Mountains in Virginia. Oh, wow. And yeah, just love doing life here. And they're super busy. And God's given me the privilege of being able to come alongside some moms and help them learn what He's taught me. And I'm forever grateful for that. So thank you so much for having me today. Oh, of course. Before we jumped on, you guys, Brooke and I were talking about how both of her boys play the fiddle. And you might not know this, Brooke, but I have two boys too. They're three years old and six years old. So we're kind of in the thick of the young ages, but also the transitional stages where they're really starting to kind of gain their character and their personality and understanding morality. And so it's really nice always for me. And it's something I do often is seek the wisdom out from women who have gone before me in motherhood. And so I am extra thankful to have you here because we've had some tough days. (laughs) We, We just moved from the only home we've ever known. And there have been really some emotional moments for the boys that they've not been able to fully communicate. And so I have been leaning into prayer and just hoping to be gracious and compassionate to them and understanding, you know, this is definitely not easy for them, like just switching up their entire lives, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's been a process. So I'm excited to chat. So I'll begin just by asking you, what compelled you to write this book? How did you kind of move forward with it? And what was it that God placed on your heart that you wanted to speak and share with women? 
my story is really the impetus for most of my writing, for all of my writing. And, and my story includes a desperate mom who had two young boys who was not able to be the kind of mom that I thought I would be able to be before I had those boys. And so it was you know, my own prayer life. I was, I was raised as a Christian. I was saved when I was nine. I knew all the Bible stories, had a great foundation, and had prayed often before I had my children. But it was really my children who kicked my feet out from under me in all the right ways. You know, God did that to me and and allowed that to happen. And I'm so grateful now. But they were the ones that led me to prayer in a new way. And so much of what I share is just my own hard earned experience with me and God talking and learning how to pray for them and feeling the power of that in my parenting. And I know we'll talk more about that as we go on. But specifically for this book, it came out of an email We had written an email to our email list years ago. It's been probably three, four years ago. And we we had started realizing that moms were not praying. Much as you talked about in your intro, it was overlooked. They just weren't doing it. And we, we wanted to know why. And so we asked them one very simple question in this email. There was nothing all that special about it. We didn't use special software. It wasn't a big survey. It was just one question. And it said, if you believe that you should be praying, but you are not, why? And I'm telling you, Lindsay, we got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of replies. And as we began to sift through them all, certain themes began to rise to the top. And some of them were probably what you would expect, you know, like you would get this as a mom of very young kids. We got a lot of moms who said, you know what, I can't even go to the bathroom by myself. (laughs) Like, I don't know, I can't even think, much less pray, right? And there was a lot of those. But there were also answers to this question that went way beyond the surface level, down to the heart, and revealed some really difficult things in the lives of moms. And as I was reading those answers to our emails, I began to think, well, I know how to fix this. I can do that. Like, I can help with this. Not that I can be anyone's Holy Spirit, not that I can be God in anyone's life. I can't, I don't mean that I can fix it that way, but I can point moms to the answer because I've been there. And that's really when I first felt like God said, this is the next book that I want you to write. I want you to help moms address the heart level, deep core heart level issues that are keeping them from having a vibrant prayer life with me. They're missing out on everything that I want to give them in their parenting. And I want you to want you to partner with me in trying to fix that. I would love to backtrack a little bit and hear what your experience was, as you said, that you felt like you were not the mother that you expected yourself to be. Because I think that, and I've spoken about this in a past episode on prayer, that this sense of maybe perfectionism or not having it all together or just not even knowing where to begin because you feel like such a failure as a parent hinders us from prayer. So did you find that that was something in your life and what were some things that specifically that really pulled you out of that place of trying to do it all on your own? So something that you should know about me, Lindsay, is that I'm a very goal-oriented person. 
I always was. I was raised that way. I think I probably have a little bit of a natural bent that way, but my dad is a master at helping people plan their lives and and those kind of things. And we would sit around. My mom was in school when I was growing up, and my dad would take me out to dinner when she had an evening class. And we would literally sit in the restaurant, in this small-town little restaurant that's still there today, and we would write out my dreams on napkins at the table while we were waiting for our food. And not just writing out my dreams, but planning how I was going to get there. Because, you know, a dream is just a dream if you don't know how you're going to get there. So we had building blocks and steps. And by the time I prayed the first time and asked the Lord to give me boys, I had already checked off almost every single one of those life goals in my life. Really and truly, everything was checked off except having boys. And then when God gave me boys, that got checked off. And so that it had been my experience that working hard at something would help me achieve a certain level of excellence. And I thought that I would be able to duplicate that in my motherhood. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't work hard as mothers. I'm not saying that motherhood is not, or or raising our children is not worth working hard for. I don't want your listeners to hear that. But I do believe that there was no amount of hard work on my part that was going to change the hearts of my kids. And so my boys were born 23 months apart. And they neither one of them were planned, but very much wanted. And they really just rocked our boat. They really did. Like I probably went to bed more often at night in tears thinking I had not been the kind of mom I wanted to be that day more often than not. And I just found that no matter what I did, I could not force them into my box. Now, I like to say, I like to call my boys those boys, quote unquote, they are 250% boy. They are aggressive (laughs) and loud and impulsive. And, you know, boys, all boys, or maybe not all boys, but a lot of boys have that in common. But I do believe there is a subgroup of boys that are just kind of off the chart boy. And that is who I had when I was, when I, when they were little and like, I don't have compliant children. Like God didn't give me one of those. I was one of those, but that that's not who God gave me. Same. This is speaking to my, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that there's a category because <laughs> exactly how Sutton and Saxon are. They are boy hardcore. And yes. it's a lot. It is a lot. And I knew, I know now, you know, I would say even now they're 14 and 16. I still have those boys. They still have some of those same characteristics, but they've matured and they've grown. So I want to say there's hope, but it really left me undone when I was little. I was embarrassed by their behavior. More often than not, I had Sunday school teachers that would come to me and say, what do I do about this? And I was like, I don't know. If you figure it out, let me know and I'll put it into practice. I have no idea. (laughs) So, So it really was my prayer life started as me just being a desperate mom who needed Jesus in the moments of my day in a way that I had never needed him before. I'm not trying to say I never needed him before because I did pray lots of times before that, but I had never been that desperate for God to do something in my home. And that's really how my prayer life started. I was desperate for God to do something in my home. And as it turned out, he did more in me than in anybody else. And that's the beauty of the story. But prayer has been such an amazing part of my motherhood. And I just love to share that with other moms because it can be for them too. 
That's really encouraging to me. And I think that oftentimes those hard moments lead us to get on our knees. And I think the hard part, more challenging part is staying on our knees when things get easier and knowing that that sustenance is coming from Jesus when things are smoother because we are being filled with the Holy Spirit and we are then pouring that back out onto our kids. And one thing that I've been preaching to my own heart and teaching to my own boys lately is devotion over distraction. It is such an intentional choice right now in our world to choose Jesus over technology, but it is not easy. And even Sutton yesterday came home with a laptop and he's in first grade and he has to take that laptop to school every day and bring it home. And there was this unease in my heart when the teacher told me that because I'm like, he's only six years old. Why is he working on a computer? Which I know that's the future and it's our generation. But I realized in that moment how much I need to hone in on the devotion and the intentionality and the time to sit and rest and just be with Jesus and be with our thoughts. And so I think that as we look at the challenges of motherhood, we see that we need a plan for parenting. And that plan, if it is not set in stone, we find inconsistencies and then our children grow to resent us because they don't respect us. And so I believe so strongly that that devotion to our motherhood, that devotion to our time with Jesus and that prayer is so important. So can you share... I guess the importance of praying for our children and what that does to our hearts and our relationships with them. Yeah, absolutely. So I just want to say, I know there may be a mom listening right now who is thinking, oh my goodness, I have never really prayed for my kids. I've missed the boat. And I would like to say, no, you haven't. It's never too late to be a praying mom. You can start right now. And so I just want to give that little piece of hope. Like you can start today. This is not rocket science. You can do this right now. But for me, it started with studying God's word. When, when I was in the season of desperation, and I, I would on, also be honest with your listeners and say that there are cyclical seasons of desperation in the life of a mom, just because my kids are 14 and 16 doesn't mean that I'm done with all that. There's new challenges, right? There's tougher things that we're walking through. It's a different heart. That's a great way to put it. But for me, when I first started praying for them, there were basically two things that motivated me in my prayers. And that was two scriptures. One is from Hebrews 4.12, and it says that the Word of God is living and active. I knew from my own Christian walk that the Bible is not like any other book out there. It's true, first of all. It's absolutely true. I had settled that in my own heart before this point, and I think that's important. But I knew that God's Word had the ability to act in my heart and act in the hearts of my children in a way that I could not act alone. And so I knew that to be true. The other piece is from Isaiah 51, and it says simply that God's word doesn't return void, but that it does exactly what God purposes for it to do. My entire prayer philosophy kind of was built on those two verses, and that's why I find it really important to pray God's word. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with praying other ways or not praying God's word, but for me, and my experience, if those two things were true, and I believed that they were, then I just couldn't think of any better way to pray than to pray God's word back to him. So I began to look at what God's word said about things that I saw in my children's hearts and in my own heart that I wanted to change. And I began to just pray those back to him. So one of the first verses, and I honestly don't 
remember how I came on this verse, but it's Ezekiel 36, 26. And it reminds us that God is the one who changes hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. Well, Lindsay, I found that really frustrating and really liberating at the same time because I wanted to have the power to change my children's hearts now. Like I wanted it now. I wanted them to be little Christ followers from the time they were, you know, I just, I wanted to be able to to have perfection in my children and have the Lord at work in their hearts. I wanted them to know Jesus. And so it was a little bit frustrating to me that I didn't have the power to just snap my fingers and change their hearts of stone to hearts of flesh. But it was also really liberating to me to know that it didn't depend on me totally, that their salvation and that their sanctification and how they ended up in life didn't completely depend on me. And so it was it was both at the same time. And so I read that verse and I'd been kind of studying it for a little while. And just really naturally, I began praying, Lord, would you change their hearts of stone to hearts of flesh? Lord, would you do that? And it just kept happening over and over again. And and I began seeking God's word for what it said about my children. And as a natural outgrowth of that, I just began praying it back to him. It was super simple. As I said, it wasn't rocket science. I just began praying it back to him. And here's what happened, Lindsay. There have been lots of things that God has done in our home since then. But the sneaky like backdoor thing that I love about praying God's word is that it changed me. And as moms begin to do that for their own families, going to God's word, looking at what it has to say about what they're going through and praying it back, what's going to start happening is the process of sanctification. It's the process of knowing God's word more and understanding what it has to say about the world and beginning to look almost as if we're putting on a fresh pair of glasses for the day. We begin to look at the world around us through the lens of what God's word has to say about it. And the end result, If the beginning, if what drove us to prayer and God's word is that we were not the kind of mom we wanted to be in the beginning, the end result of spending all that time in God's word and prayer is that every single day we're closer to the the mom that we want to be as we get closer to the Lord. And so I love prayer. I love praying God's word specifically because it does this amazing work in us and has the power to transform us and our homes. Amen. A lie that you may believe far too often, especially as a woman, is that you have to choose between your family and your dreams. But the Proverbs 31 woman defies that stereotype. She was both a mother and a businesswoman. She worked hard for her family and used the giftings that God had given her to provide for her home. She had both ambition and faith, and she was honored. Friends, if you have a gift, use it to make God's name known. Share your story, share your passions, share your life. I have spent the past five years relentlessly studying and implementing all things marketing, blogging, entrepreneurship, small business, and podcasting, while also being a stay-at-home mama of two boys. Now with over 6 million blog readers, over 600,000 total podcast downloads, and tens of thousands of social media followers, I'm able to make an income for my family. I feel so passionate about this business and helping others to pursue those dreams, and I want to share everything I've learned with you, whether you're a mom of five or a college student. Do you want to be a travel blogger? Would you love to share your voice and launch a podcast? I can help you. 
I'm so excited to be offering one-on-one personalized business coaching for anyone with a dream to share their story, create a ministry, or build a platform. During our two and a half hour coaching session, I'll customize everything specifically for you by looking over your website and social media to give honest and helpful feedback that will help you grow. I'll teach you how to use Pinterest to make money even if you don't have any followers because if you're not using it yet, you're really missing out. And we'll talk all things Instagram, Facebook, branding, monetization, all in simple to understand terms. I will provide you with two free customizable media kits, a list of my 20 influencer websites that you can join right away to start collaborating with small and large brands, exclusive group board invites on Pinterest, and Facebook group invites to help get more eyes on your business right away. I always say she didn't do it better. She just did it. What is that one thing that you have always wanted to do, but you've never done? You will never succeed if you don't ever try, but you have a great chance at succeeding if you at least try. You don't ever want to live in regret. So if you are interested in this personalized coaching, just email livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's livingeasypodcast at gmail.com. If you are interested in this coaching and hearing about how I can help you specifically, I'll talk to you soon. One thing that I love that you said amongst all of it, one thing I loved that you said was that it's not rocket science and you repeated it because I do think that's something that maybe we get caught up in often. I tend to be a perfectionist. I tend to be an achiever. And I've mentioned before, sometimes this gets in the way of my relationship with Jesus because it doesn't look the way that I expect it to look. I am not sitting down with a pretty cup of coffee and a little setup and doing my quiet time and praying. Sometimes it's just in the drive. I have five minutes and I'm crying out to the Lord, you know, or today I was in yoga. I'm like, okay, I have time to stop and think and just pray. And in those moments, it's just, it's what is on our heart. It doesn't need to be scripted or written out. And as we, like you said, continue growing in that prayer life, that strengthening of our prayer life and of our relationship and understanding of Jesus and who he is in us, it really transforms us. And one thing that I'm probably going to share over and over again, because I've just been thinking about it a lot and God has put it on my heart is I think that there are a lot of moms, especially in the young seasons, but I also had a wonderful neighbor who had a teenage boy. And sometimes that seemed harder (laughs) than what I am going through. So now I have a different understanding, but she would come over, you know, just kind of broken over the things that he was going through. And it helped me to understand. And for me, often at night, I'll go and sit down and just think about all the things that I did wrong that day, you know, as a mom. And kind of pity party. My father-in-law calls it the poor Mimi's, like just sitting in my own failure, sitting in my own, like I should have done better. And what I had one moment where the Holy Spirit was like, Lindsay, you can spend this time sitting here, looking back at photos of your babies and thinking about what you've done wrong as a mom, or you can sit and you can spend time with me, the only one who can change their hearts and the only one who can change your heart and help you to grow and to prune you and mold you into the mother that I have created you to be. And so it was a really pivotal moment for me where I just said, you know, I can either sit in my self-deprecation really, 
or I can look to Jesus, who is the healer and perfecter of my faith and of my motherhood. And I think that we need that transcendent view of God and of scripture and of prayer and that relationship with Jesus to get through the season of life, whether you have a little baby or teenagers we grow in our love for God the more that we speak to Him, the more that we communicate to Him. And the more that we do it, the more comfortable it will become. But if we place those expectations on ourselves at the beginning, that's when we really just kind of shrink back and think, oh, I just, I'm not doing this right, or I'm not doing this well, which is a lie. So coming off the tail end of that, Brooke, where in scripture do we see praying mamas leading the way in this? And how do we follow that example? I want to say just before I answer it, that I really agree with you. And one thing that's really helped me in getting that perspective that you're talking about is looking back at the hand of God in my own life, because, you know, my parents, I had great parents, but they were not perfect. They did not make all the right choices for me. There are things that I could look back and say, I wish they had done differently. I know that's true of every single pair of parents on the face of the earth. No one does it perfectly. And yet... I know that God has used each and every one of the things that my parents maybe didn't get right as a part of my redemption story, as a part of my testimony. And so as I look back at my own life with my children and think about ways that I may have messed up or didn't get it right, and the reality is that we're going to mess up and not get it right every day. It's just the way it's going to be, but God can still use that. I think sometimes we think that God is too small to handle our inadequacy And actually, God specializes. His strength is made perfect in our weakness. It's been so helpful to me to remember that, you know, Paul talked about boasting in our weakness. We are going to get it wrong. And yet God is strong in the midst of that when we just admit it. So I just wanted to to mention that before we moved on, that I think probably one of my favorite moms in Scripture, and, and probably a lot of people could talk about this, is Hannah. And she, you know, went before the Lord and was so crushed that she didn't have a child and asked the Lord to give her a child. And God fulfilled that. And then she gave him away to some, you know, to the church, basically, to the temple. She gave him away in fulfillment of the promise that she had made to the Lord. You know, I don't know that any of us are necessarily called the way that Hannah was to take our children to the church and leave them there, right? I don't know that that's necessarily our story. (laughs) I hope not not too. I don't (laughs) want that calling, Lord. But we are called to give our children to the Lord. Whether we take them to a physical location to do it or not, we are called to give them to the Lord and to say, I want what you want in my children's lives. And I think for me, you know, we all talk about the year 2020 and it, it was disastrous in so many ways, but there were some good things that came out of it as well. And for me, one of the most important pieces of information that I feel like the Lord spoke to me, I spent some time studying the Lord's prayer during 2020. And the Lord just really showed me that when we come to Him, We are asking him to build his kingdom, not ours. And I think so often we come to him in prayer, asking him to build the kingdom that we want, both for ourselves and our families and our children. And it's not wrong to ask the Lord to act or move in the hearts of the people that we love. Even good prayers that we have for our children or our spouses or our loved ones might not be God's plan for them. And so we have to give ourselves to the Lord and say, 
Lord, build your kingdom in my family. And that requires a letting go of our children that is extremely difficult to do for most mamas. And, you know, I just think of Hannah and how she did that. And and I'm sure, you know, the scripture doesn't give us all the details about how hard that was for her. We don't have a, a much about her story beyond that. But I, I know it had to be hard. And yet look at how the Lord used Samuel and all of that. So we have that encouragement. And that her obedience in that, I think, is always so encouraging to me. Just to see, you know, we kind of look at her versus maybe Sarah, who, you know, was very disobedient to the Lord and wanted her own way. And just like you said at the beginning, we have this sense of wanting to do it ourselves. We want to be able to accomplish these things on our own. And then when we fail, we fall into that deep pit and it is just this rotating door that eats away at us, but God has never placed that standard of perfection on our lives. He just has not. He has not called us to be a perfect mom. I recently did a reel on my Instagram and I said specifically, you will likely never do any day perfectly. Mm. And I want that. It gives me freedom to remember that and to preach that to my own heart. But I want all the mamas listening to remember, you know, these moments where you feel like you are just falling apart and you don't know how to handle the next day or the next situation, or you're just so exhausted that that perfection is not placed on your shoulders, that in your weakness, he is strong. And as we see Hannah's obedience, our obedience is in that diligence. It's in that faithfulness and remaining true to God's word, remaining steadfast in his word and leading by example for our children to see. So I will ask, how has your prayer life impacted your boys, Brooke? Has it been something where they have kind of latched on to your prayer, like how you pray and your intentionality? Do they display that faithfulness in their lives as well? Or is that something that's still a work in progress? I always like to to preface everything by saying, you know, I have two very normal teenage boys, but, you know, they're just a work in progress like everybody else. But, you know, I don't think you can help but be influenced by what's happening in your home on some level, good or bad, right? Mm-hmm. So it has been a goal of mine since God gave me this passion for prayer when they were little to help them learn to go to Him for everything in prayer. I just want God to be the first place that they turn. And so we have made it a habit of praying a lot in our home. We pray over almost everything. We pray over very simple things, very hard things. And one of the results of that is that my boys generally are very comfortable praying in front of other people. And I'm so grateful for that. That's like one of the biggest treats of motherhood for me is to listen to my boys pray and feel a certain level of comfort with that. And so that's been just a huge blessing. And, you know, we just keep going. We just keep praying. We keep, we have rhythms of prayer in our home. When we were all shut down for COVID, we would meet at the dining table in our kitchen a couple times a day and just open the word together and pray. And that's all we did. We just kind of tried to sit there and together and read a Psalm or read a proverb of the day and pray. And we we try and start the day in prayer together. One of the things that I really love to do when our boys are in school, and unlike yours, mine have not quite gone back to school yet, but is at Million Praying Moms, we produce these uh, prayers of the day. You can find them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. And they're scripture-inspired prayers of the day. And 
while I'm still in the stage of having to take my children to school, which is quickly coming to an end, what I like to do is pull up that verse of the day on my phone as we're leaving our home. And then I just read the verse that it's based on and help them understand it. If there's, you know, if there's any context that they need, then I try and give that. If they need help understanding how it applies to their life, then I try and give that. And then we pray it together on the way, you know, as we're pulling up in the car line so that mom or dad, as the case may be sometimes, the very last thing that they hear as they're heading out into the world is mom or dad praying for them. So that's been a really important thing for us as we've raised our boys, just to try and help normalize prayer. And for me, I wasn't just born knowing how to pray. One of the very best things that ever happened to me was that God began to bring people into my life when I was in graduate school who were very good at praying and sincere prayers. And so I began to just listen to them and incorporate their style into my own. And so it was important to me as we were raising our boys that we didn't just say to them, I'm praying for you, but that we actually stopped and did it so that they would have something to model and not be afraid to do it out loud. So those are some of the things that we've you know, reaped from, from what we've sowed in our own home. And again, it's not perfect. It's never perfect, but we're grateful that God's given us those things. Yeah. Well, and thank you for that practical way, you know, because I think sometimes we were a little by the book and we need to know how exactly before we implement something. And I think that's a great way to start. And I've said this a lot in the past, but I believe so strongly in it that in prayer with God, we are not to just, you know, repeat this rehearsed prayer that just we know the few words and we say it every time before meals or before bed because imagine coming to your children or to your spouse and sitting down and having the same conversation over and over and over again with the exact same words. There would be no growth. There would be no relationship there. And that relationship comes from praying what is going on in your life and what is on your heart and expressing gratitude and thanks and repentance and asking for God to remove that sin from your life. And I think as our children hear that kind of prayer, they hear the relationship between you and Jesus. They hear you, you know, asking God to bless their wives and to bless their futures and to, you know, prune and mold them into godly men or or women if you have daughters. That gives them, like you said, Brooke, the confidence and the ability to pray those things over themselves. So very thankful for this conversation. And I want to address my last question in your new book. I'm so excited for you, Praying Mom, Making Prayer the First and Best Response to the Challenges of Motherhood. What is one thing that you hope our listeners gain from reading that book? Mm, I would love for your listeners to know that prayer is not something that has to bookend your day. It is not something that has to be super formal, but that prayer is just very simply conversation with your creator and that it can be your entire game plan for parenting. One of the things I wanted to say as you were just speaking, Lindsay, was that not just that my boys have had the opportunity to hear me pray for things that are coming in their future, but that sometimes we just stop in the middle of what we're talking about and we pray and we say, Lord, help us to know what to do in this situation. Right now, Lord, would you be faithful to us? 
We're asking you to give us wisdom. You say you'll give us wisdom liberally when we ask for it. Would you give it? And it's just um, every moment of every day, you can be connected to the God who has all the answers. And if you feel like you don't ever have the answers, if you feel like you don't know how you're going to protect your children from what this world is going to throw at them or how you're going to help them navigate their way through it, prayer is the answer. Relationship with God on an ongoing moment-by-moment basis is the answer you've been looking for. So good. I actually recently saw that exemplified and I had never even thought, it had never been done as I grew up. I had never even thought of this. And one of my friends, her name is Hallie and she's just the sweetest. And she was over at my house and her daughter got hurt and she was crying and like very emotional. And Hallie just went over to her and got on her knees and looked in her eyes. And she said, can I pray over your boo-boo? I just, and she's young, you know, she's like, I just want to pray for Jesus to heal. And her daughter shook her head yes through tears, and she just prayed for her. And I was like, you know, I never thought. Like, I just never considered. And for me, it was such a sweet moment because, one, it was a reminder that oftentimes I can compartmentalize my prayer, where I think it's just futuristic or it's just for the big things. And God cares about the sparrows and the lilies. He cares about the small things in our lives. And he cares about the boo-boos and the owies and to show them that he is a healer and that his miracles are still working every single day from such a young age is so impactful. But also for me, it was just a really sweet moment of, I love learning from other moms. And I, I am humbled when I learn from other moms and hear their experiences because nobody ever taught us Nobody gave us a guidebook on how to be a mother. You know, we are learning as we go. So just watching, just encouraging our listeners and preaching to my own heart to watch those mamas, to listen to the podcast, to ask questions, to not be prideful or ashamed or embarrassed, to say, hey, how do you do this? How do you manage prayer in your home? How do you manage Bible study in your home? How do you do those things? And not that we need to replicate that, but that we can gain insight and wisdom from those women who are going through it or who have gone before us. And I will say this as well, Lindsay, we did that with our children too. We would pray, we brought prayer into every part of our parenting. And now at 14 and 16, I have the privilege of having children who will come to me and say, mom, how can I pray for you right now? Oh, I love that. They will come and just pray for me. And that is one of the greatest treasures of my motherhood. That gives me hope. <laughs> I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm I'm embracing the now, but it is really exciting when you start to see the fruits of the work and the investment that you put in and the God's grace that's just poured out over your home. So, well, thank you so much, Brooke. It was such an honor to have you on and to chat with you this afternoon. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you and where they can get your book? Absolutely. You can get a copy of Praying Mom anywhere books are sold. When you do, though, go to brookmclaughlin.net forward slash praying dash mom. And the reason I say that is because we have some great order bonuses that I would love for your listeners to take advantage of. We have a couple bonus chapters that are not included in the book that I really feel like are going to round out their total experience. We have a free digital prayer journal that they can get to just take notes in and write their own prayers as they are going through the book. And probably one of the things that I'm most excited about is our upcoming prayer huddle. It's a six-week prayer mentoring program that I'm going to lead people through. And when they get the book, 
they can get access to the prayer huddle for free. And I would love to have your listeners be a part of that with us and come out on the other side with just a more practical application and experience of prayer. So go to brookmclaughlin.net and find all the information you need. We will link all of this in the show notes. And as always, you guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please tag us on your stories and let us know what you gained. If you had any insight or any encouragement that you'd like to share. And remember that if you tell even one friend or family member about this, it allows us to get the gospel and the hope in motherhood, in relationships, in sex and marriage and all of those things out to people around the world. So we love you guys. It's so great to be here with you. Thank you so much again, Brooke. It was an honor to speak with you. And I just wish the best of luck for you with your new book. And we will talk to you guys next Monday. Bye. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you were blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love. If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.